is a symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, you get, do you get along with the Iron Sheik? No, he's oh, an idiot. He's on, he's on the phone if you want to speak to him. Hey, put him on. Put him on? All right. Uh, hold on, Dave. You're on, too. But All right. Let me make sure. Hey. Iron Sheik, good morning. Iron Sheik. Yes, sir. Uh, good morning. It's, uh, it's Howard Stern. Hello, Mr. Howard Stern. You're on. How are you, sir? Good. You're on with Hulk Hogan. He says he doesn't get along with you, but he would be willing to talk to you. Well, if he want to, but uh, he insult me. I didn't insult him. Well, he insult me. The day I, I lost my belt to him, he come in the locker room. He said, Shiki, baby, I love you. I owe you one. Now he tell me I'm an idiot. Fuck you, Hogan. Oh. What is this about? Because I've heard Iron Sheik say this before. He says, the day he lost the belt to you. You were going to do something for him? You promised so something him? Something was going to happen, What do you want Hulk yeah. to do? I mean, Hulk's kind of down and out right now. He's going through a lot of shit. I mean, what do you want him to do for you, Sheik? Well, I'm same thing. I'm same thing. My wife left me. I live in the apartment. I'm broke, and especially I'm not on your show anymore. Says killer comedian. But I want to let you know over the story. You still, your radio is number one in the world. Thank You're you. number one. Thank you. Hulk Hogan used to get along with him, uh, and but he. Do you want to move in with the Hulk? He bullshit me. Says <laughs> that he respects me because Hulk. He what about that? New Jersey. He says, "Shiki baby, I love you," and I lost my belt to him. He said, Shiki, baby, I owe you one. But I called him. He didn't even return my call back. Hulk, what about him. <laughs> He's worse than a wife. Hulk. I'm by myself. I'm by living alone. And I'm, uh, I'm in the apartment. So, but I want to let you know, Hulk Hogan, I'm not a fucking idiot. You are a fucking idiot to do that to me. And people tell me, break your fucking leg. Take the belt. Come to the middle. Sheik, what year did this happen? Poor <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> do you have a lot of this with your lot of your old Wrestling pals. You know, since we wrestled and he lost the belt to me, I've probably wrestled him 200 times since then. Right. You know, and now he's saying, After you lost the belt to me, you tell me to fuck off. Well, he's out of his mind. You gave him a bunch of I'm going to call those New Jersey cops on you to bust you again. You know, I better shut up. Fuck you, you piece of shit, Bubba. He's a stooge. He kissed your ass. He didn't get Bubba. He's the garbage. How many times he sold out, Madison Swear Garden? How many times he been around the world to your Japan like you and I was? What, what does the sheik want from you? Do you have any He's idea? out of his mind, dude. What does he want you to do? Let's figure this out. Maybe we can help no, him. No, he's just an idiot. He's always like this. He's he gone. Is. Yeah, and then he'll kiss your ass and hug you when he sees you. you know, right, right. He's just working the gimmick, same old thing. So this is an act? Yeah, he's, he'll see me two weeks from now and give me a hug. Yo, Ashiki, you gotta kiss it in my ass because you're the shittiest wrestler I've ever worked with. You only had one main event in New York. After that, you were a jabroni doing jobs for everybody. You suck. Your, your curled up toes suck. And if you don't shut up, I'll stretch your ass. Well, we, you know, I was in a jabroni, I put you over, uh, and Brad Reich is my student and myself. Without me, Hulk Hogan, you never be like Michael Jordan, because all intelligence... You're the biggest guy in wrestling there ever was, right? And is everyone jealous? But still I respect you, but you don't respect me, I forgive you because I'm a bigot. All right. Oh, you're going to forgive Thank you, I forgive you too, Sheik, I love you.
Hey now, welcome to episode three of the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, and with me today from Sopranos Town, USA, is Hollywood, Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? What's up, Steve? We have the trifecta already. Who would have thought we would have three podcasts out in 2020? This was supposed to be a 2021 debut, besides the pilot. So I'm excited about that, and congratulations to yourself on it. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, how was uh, COVID Christmas in Jersey this year? COVID Christmas in Jersey? I mean, I'm a Christmas guy. I love Christmas, of course. Jesus' birthday. But, um, you know, it was a little boring this year, I got to say. You know, my sisters came around. And uh, we do what we normally do, drink wine, you know, argue a little bit, watch a little TV. But kind of <laughs> even, even when Christmas is not COVID Christmas, when it's on a Friday, it kind of starts rolling into the next day and rolling yep. into the next day. So today, as we're recording, Monday the 28th is like the first non-Christmas feel to it of this day. And uh, I mean, of this of this year. And, uh, you know, then we're going to roll back into it again with a couple more days for the new year. Everybody starts coming around again. But uh, yeah, it's a little, to, to be honest, we're honest here on a 24-inch podcast. A little boring, in my opinion. How was it for you and the family, little Paula? Yeah, well, having a four-year-old, it, Christmas, it can't possibly be boring. No. So and we got mostly everything in, but like you said, it spread out a little bit. So we started on Christmas Eve. Uh, my fam, my immediate family, my brothers and their families, and my mom came over. We did that exchange, and then after that, we normally head out to her mom, my wife's mom, dad's side of the family. But she has this uncle who loves COVID tests and loves <laughs> quarantining. He's had like five COVID tests. Hypochondriac. Oh my God, it's brutal. So that Christmas got canceled that night. So we went to That's my. That's not a surprise. Yeah, so we went to my mother in law's house and Paula got her gifts there because Santa came for her there. Uh, That's cute. Yeah, and we did that exchange. And then the next morning we do breakfast with my mom, my mom's side of the family. Uh, so we did that. And then we go to my dad's side of the family. We did that. Uh, then at night on Christmas was Tammy's mom's side of the family, but I stayed home for the Saints game. Uh, props to Alvin Kamara and his six touchdowns. And then the Congratulations. next, yeah, then the next day, was it the next day or was it? <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Here it goes. I think the next Rolling day the next, was buddy. we finally had that other Christmas that got canceled because the guy was negative for the sixth time. We talked about that last, yeah. last night, so I remember texting with you about Okay, it. yeah, because we were going to maybe record this last night, but then we had to do that Christmas because he decided he he didn't need to be quarantined anymore. This gentleman, so, your uncle, he does he do rapid tests, or he, he does he wait, like, all nervous for the three days? So it's been a mix. A- it's been a mix. He, he's <laughs> This one, he did do a three-day test, and I think he got it, like, Thursday or something. So he he kind of he, he he took it at the perfect time where he could cancel Christmas and get the attention, but then reschedule Christmas, you know, when you're not ready for it, when right. you're when you're Christmas out of it. Like we just we just found out Sunday at like two, like oh we're gonna do it tonight. It's like oh okay. What, was he running a fever? Or no, he had no symptoms. What? No, it's just a contact. No yeah, you know he, he oh contact. Okay. Yeah, he he heard that you know someone he worked with had a sister. Whose niece in Tennessee tested positive? Mother, sisters, yeah, aunts, uncles, yeah, brother. Yeah, so he had to uh, had to you know cancel everything. So we did that, 
And yeah, uh, he, but, sound, he sounds like a handful, but he sounds like also he might be like funny, humorous. At the uh, same he time. is a, a little bit of a character, but most yeah. of the time he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> but anyway, so we we got through it. Paul had a great Christmas. I had a good Christmas. I got a new microphone and I'm testing out today here on the show, which I'm excited about. And I wanted to ask you, I helped you get a gift for a, a nephew or something like godson. How'd that go over? Did you give that gift yet? It went good. The one right. you recommended yeah. was the AEW figure, and it came in time. Then I got another one, and it just came today. So I'm going to go back over. But, yeah, I failed to mention that hello to my godson, Robert. We uh, I went over there on Christmas Day for about an hour or two and, uh, you know, had a little Royal Rumble with him with his wrestling figures and, and that kind of stuff. He's a great kid. But, again, it's, it's, you know, it's not the same. You know, you don't want to go to someone's sure. house and start running running rampant all over, touching everything and shit. Right. You so, want, you, mean, you, you know, want to be respectful of how other people yeah. feel about it. And you I'm want in to the be middle safe. of this whole thing, but yeah, you want I'm to be still going to be respectful. Right. You want to be safe and you want to be respectful, but also, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you want to have, time, you you know? have Christmas, too. You know, like. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what's going to happen? I haven't even heard anything about it. New Year's Eve, I'm on Rockefeller, I mean, not Rockefeller Center, but Times Square. Oh, I'm sure that's everything. canceled. I'm it's sure. probably going to yeah. be like a virtual uh, yeah. Zoom. Um, interesting. Interesting Some stuff, bullshit. my brother. So we we have this little tradition. with. So I named Paula after my grandmother, Paula, who passed away in 1995. And I have this. Hey, hey, Paula. Yeah, I have this picture of uh, my grandmother uh, standing in front of a Christmas tree. It's kind of this Christmas picture. And every year since Paula was born, she holds the picture of my grandma Paula by her Christmas tree in front of our Christmas tree. And it's kind of like the picture I used to put on social media that day. Which, very sweet. Yeah. And uh, it got me thinking about, obviously, every year it gets me thinking about her and her not being around. And, you know, I always look around at the different parties and think of who was here when I was 10? Who was here when I was 20? You know, who was here when I was 30? And I'm sure that's true for wrestlers, you know, and. Oh my god! And, and of course, in your in your house, uh, you know, and Uncle God bless Uncle Tito is a big part of this oh, show. Thank you very much. We're always thinking about Uncle Tito on here, and mm. you know, I'm sure you think about, oh, you know, Christmas in '98, he was there, or whatever. And what I'm getting at is, it's and every really, time I curse an Italian, I think of him too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Um, but uh, it's been a rough year for wrestler deaths in 2020, and it seems like. It's always a rough year for wrestler dots, but we wanted to take a minute before we got going to pay just a quick tribute to some of the wrestlers we lost most recently, Brody Lee or Luke Harper, who's what actually, a shock. Yeah, who's actually a Rochester, New York native, also a girl of Monsoon from Rochester, New York, so a little bit of a a wrestling, I don't want to say hotbed, but there's been a few here and there from Rochester, and uh, unfortunately he passed away sort of. I mean, at least to the general public, out of the clear blue. Yeah, man. with some I mean, kind I mean, of non-COVID-related lung illness. Um, crazy. He was is... just wrestling up until October in the AEW. I mean, I'm not a avid watcher of that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I looked back on his Instagram. He had he had a, a the TV title, a TNT title, right up until October. I guess he started. Uh, his health started failing, I guess, around that time, and he was off TV. But we, you know, we didn't know. Yeah. And, and then uh, just well, before that, just before that, we had lost Pat Patterson. Yes, who... we we haven't had a show since then. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, next to people don't realize that next to God forbid Vince McMahon, you know, the, the day when he passes away, 
Pat for our era. That's the next. That's the next one down the line, brother. For putting all this stuff together that we love. So Pat Patterson. I mean, he lived a decently long life. You know, he could have had a few more years in him, but uh, I think he. He did it his way, like he said. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I think he lived a great, great life. And maybe in terms of his wrestling uh, legacy, the creator of the Royal Rumble. You know, Absolutely. So that, uh, what a great legacy to leave behind. One of the great mm-hmm. wrestling. I don't have to even have watched wrestling for a year, two years. I can put the Rumble on and just enjoy that. No matter what yeah. year. You know, it's a great event. It's comfort food. Even yeah. the modern ones I can handle. And, and that's uh, saying a lot. You know, you got some other names, I think, too. Uh, we put together just a list of people who lost. And very early in the year, you know, Rocky Johnson. Uh, the Feels father. like three years ago for, yeah. for 2020, right? Because that was before all the bullshit started. That was back in January uh, when we lost uh, the soul man, Rocky Johnson. Feels like a long time ago already. Did you see the screenshots for the TV show that The Rock is producing based on uh, his childhood? There's... Oh, okay. Yeah, there's incredible pictures like of actors playing his father, playing Andre the Giant, playing Nikolai Volkov. Uh, if you that che- sounds like something. Yeah, I think if you check out this is a tip for everyone. If you check out The Rock's Twitter, and I'm going to do this uh, with as I'm explaining it, I'll do it so that so if you go to The Rock's Twitter and he posts a lot, so I got to scroll down a little bit here. But within the last month or so, he posted. A picture. Oh, here it is. Okay. He posted 1,700 pancakes. Yeah, it was on November November 28th. Kicking it with these trailblazing OGs. Uh, All I wanted to do as a little punk kid was hang with these dudes. To me, they were real superheroes. So it's his dad and Junkyard Dog from the set of the show. And then the show itself is tagged. It's called NBC Young Rock. Wow. And uh, if you go to NBC Young Rock, uh, there's some other pictures uh, from the set as well. You get to see who plays uh, the Rock at 10, who plays the Rock at 15, who plays the Rock at 20. They got Rocky Johnson is cast by a guy named Joseph Lee Anderson. Uh, his mother, Stacy Lilula, uh, his grandmother is cast. Just a whole... Um, it comes uh, out this year in January sometimes. Sounds so. like NBC, NBC has upgraded since the Jesse Ventura story, huh? <laughs> Young Rock coming in 2021 to NBC, so check that out. But uh, who else cool. did we lose? It's in? funny you said that because we're going to be talking about the Young Rock up on, on this show with some interesting uh, yep, he has a tie-in. note from Madison Square Garden. Yep, yep. He has a tie-in. Who else passed away, Dave? Do we want to recognize? Okay, uh, the Ugandan giant Kamala, one of our topics, uh, passed away over the summer. Uh, young, another young man, a tragic loss was from crime time. Chad Gaspard. Um, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, I can't remember which one he was, which name he was in crime time. If I think about it, I probably will. But, uh, yeah, he, he was drowned, drowned. He got lost at sea. Terrible, terrible. Was that, that may have been before COVID as well, or towards, very towards the beginning of it. It's been a while, because it feels like it's been a, a couple of years since we've been talking about, uh. Uh, yeah, it was in May, uh, so it was during. It was, oh, it was in May. Yeah. Okay, but still, it feels like May feels like a long time ago. But yep. yeah, it was Shad Gaspard, uh, um, Laparca, but not the Laparca that we know from WCW. It was a different one in, in Mexico, but I think he was well known over that way. Uh, passed away. I'm forgetting a, a Road Warrior Animal has uh, got to be one of the bigger ones. That was another surprise. He seemed yeah. to be, you know, he's about sixty years old or so, but seemed to be in really good health. 
seems to be in good shape. But I mean, uh, who knows? You never know. That's that's why I don't understand some of these smart wrestling fans. They announced they're going to have a Legends Night on Monday Night Raw next week on the 4th, and they all complain. It's like you can't have the Legends around once or twice a year because you never know when a guy like an at- Road Warrior Animal, if he was on one last year, that would have been the last time you're going to see him. <laughs> I mean, the t- they're all upset when the wrestlers pass away, but they, they don't want to see them on TV because it's a cheap pop for ratings or some bullshit. I don't know, man. That's why sometimes I hide my, try to hide my wrestling fandom this year. So it's, it's a little strange. Tony Lister, uh, who wrestled yeah. in yeah, Zeus. Two weeks ago. You, yeah. You're the one that broke the news to me on that yeah. one. Howard Finkel. Uh, the first, wow, yeah, one of the first employees uh, in the company owned by Vince McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. God, Fink and Patterson the same year. Yeah, April he passed away. Oh, man. Um, then you have like wrestling celebrity like Alex Trebek, part of yeah, WrestleMania Regis. Seven, passed away. Uh, Danny Hodge, an old timer, just passed that was away. Just yesterday. Just yesterday. Regis Philbin. Yep, Regis Philbin. Uh, another one. Hulkamania lives. Hulkamania lives. <laughs> so I just wanted to real quickly before we got into it, just give a shout out to those guys. Kind of like our, you know, they have that part in the Oscars in memoriam. And they always they always leave somebody like really <laughs> yeah. great out. Yeah, but it pisses everyone off. And so I, didn't they do that? The great, I don't know if it was a Grammy or some award show. They didn't mention Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, not like at all. Recently, yeah, you fucking kidding me? Yeah, the American excuse music my language. America. Jesus Christ! Yeah, ridiculous. I don't. I don't want to get started now. I don't want to be in a bad mood here for the <laughs> for for the show. That's some bullshit. Right all right, there, brother. In, instead of going down that road, let's talk about what we're going to do today. <laughs> and what we're going to do today is we're going to look ahead. Uh, we're going to look back to January of 1984 and the start of Hulkamania. So, the match or the wrestler that we're focusing on today is the Iron Sheik. Sheiky baby, we're gonna do him, and then the Sheiky baby, Bubba. The match, of course, is uh, from January twenty third, eighty four, at MSG, where Hogan pinned the Sheik to win the title and to essentially start Hulkamania. But instead of covering that MSG show, since we have done a few MSGs already, we decided to cover the one twenty eight eighty four episode of the syndicated wrestling program, Championship Wrestling. Uh, as our main card that we break down. So we got Sheik, the start of Hulkamania, and the 128-84 card, which is really significant for a few reasons. Of course, the start of Hulkamania, but also the very first Piper's Pit. Uh, so in a way, you have the... A lot w- of de- debuts and, and returns as right. well. And in a way, what you have is the WWF setting up the face and the heel side of their company for a run that will go through you know, WrestleMania 1 and really the the launch. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and then we come back. We're going to talk about the Iron Sheik. Who is he? Uh, how did he get here? And uh, what was his career like up until this match in 1984? We're going to talk about the title a little bit. Uh, where did the WWF sure. title, you know, where was it before it ended up on the waist of the Hulkster? Uh, where it would stay for for a while, right? Three years to be a champion is a long time. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about January '84, too. Um, what's going on in the company? So let's uh, let's take a break and get into all that. Sound good, Dave? Sounds great, brother. Let's do it. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the 24-inch podcast. Don't forget to check out Steve's other podcast, The Sportscasters. It's at soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Follow Hollywood Dave Rollins on Twitter at H-D-R-O-W-L-A-N-D-S. Don't forget about Greetings from Allentown with Peter Winson. It's one hour of wrestling TV from the last 40 years. Also on that feed, Greetings from Allentown Live starring uh, the great Keithy and also the Adams Division podcast starring Steve and Peter Winson. We are back. The 24-inch podcast, episode three. Uh, of course, the first two podcasts we looked at, number one, King Kong Bundy and WrestleMania two. Number two, we looked at the career of the Ugandan giant Kamala and his 1987 mm. feud with Hulk Hogan. And today, uh, the Iron Sheik, Sheiky Baby. Fitting episode on this date. Today's December 28th, two days after, as I call it, the Iron Sheik Day. That's After right. December 26, 83, when he won the title. Hossein Khosro Ali Vaziri. Oh, Khosro. Born oh, March 15th, 1942 uh, in Tehran, Iran. And uh, he grew up there, and he was an amateur wrestler and a good one. And look at a lot of my notes for this came from watching the documentary fantastic documentary it's a great one and uh, a lot of good looking people in that you can yeah. see yeah i heard that and it's available for free <laughs> to watch on youtube sure so no reason not to check it out if you haven't already and it's a really good look at his life which uh has been triumph and tragedy and everything in between nothing you wouldn't expect i guess from a professional <laughs> wrestler but uh he is quite the survivor still with us today yeah absolutely so he's born in 42 uh, grew up in a you know working class family, and uh, there's a little bit of discrepancy with his birthday, um, which apparently he celebrates it in September, and it, it has to do with the differences in calendars. Uh, you'd have to ask him about that way over my head. I hope we're not going to say Iron Sheik is really 39 years old or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. You'll have to ask him about that. But he, he grew up as a Greco, you know. I'm sure you'll get a straight answer. Yeah. He grew up uh, trying to be on Iran's. Uh, Greco-Roman wrestling uh, team for the 68 Olympics in Me- Mexico City. And he was the uh, a bodyguard for the Shah of Iran. And there was... Phil Leotardo? Yeah, yep, Phil Leotardo. And <laughs> there, there was a wrestler who was like the king of wrestling in Iran. And he had been a champion. And, and when he came back, the... Shaw said, what, what do you want? You know, do you want virgins? Do you want riches? Do you want a mansion? Do you want money, fast cars? I'll give you anything for your achievement. And he, and he stood up and he said, I want schools and I want roads and I want things for the people. And the, the Shah of Iran turned on him and he ended up dead. And Sheik saw that and said, if they would do that to, to the champion, yep. uh, they could do that to Sheik. So Sheik left. Uh, and came to the United States. And uh, when he got here, he did what he knew, and that was uh, wrestling, where he was an AAU champion and a gold medalist, and he became an assistant coach for the U.S. team in the 72 Olympics uh, in Munich. And 
wouldn't you know it, in 72, who does he meet but Vern Gagne? Uh, and he, chained, he trained at uh, the famous 72 uh, Gagne camp, which had Ric Flair and Ricky, Amazing list. Yeah, Ricky uh-huh. Steamboat, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, and Greg Gagne as well. And uh, he was really the, um, the physical specimen of the group. Uh, where in wrestling training, they basically trained to break you, especially in 1972. And they couldn't break Sheik. Uh, you know, you've probably seen these, these Persian clubs that he swings around and just just a freak of nature in terms of his look and his his size and his strength and really, a, you know, a handsome guy at the time. And um, What do you mean at the time? <laughs> he, uh, but yeah... Eventually, he he does though shave his 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 bald head, and he 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 grows the mustache we know, and he gets those boots with the curled toes, right? And um, he, iconic. Yep, he's bringing the Persian clubs around, and he, he based on the fact that there's these hostages, hostages, he really gets just an unbelievable uh, level of heat, and um, he wrestled under names like the great Hussein Arab. Uh, but really, he's the Iron Sheik. And uh, in 79 and 80, he does his first stint uh, in the WWF. And As, I believe, great Husseini at that time. Yep, and he won the first ever Battle Royal in Madison Square Garden, which is pretty cool. They had a title shot that night that yep. led to, I yep, believe. Yep, a uh, title shot against Backlund, who did pin him. Uh, but he also feuded with Chief J. Strongbow and Bruno San Martino. And if you're in New York for feuding with Bruno, uh, that's the big time. He ends You've up made in, it. Yep, he ends up in Jim Crockett for a couple years, which is where he is when the hostage situation and the hostage crisis grows. And uh, he feuds with Jumpin' Jim Bronzel in the NWA uh, Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship is the prize there. Uh, he defends that title against guys like uh, Johnny Weaver, uh, but he eventually loses it to the great Ricky Steamboat. Uh, he finds his way in Mid-South in 81 and 82. Uh, championship wrestling in Florida and Georgia, 82 and 83. And then finally, in 83, he returns uh, to the WWF uh, to challenge Bob Backlund uh, for the title. He is the um, managed by Classy Freddie Blassie. The Ayatollah Blassie. Yep. And uh, <laughs> he uh, basically what happens is he challenges Backlund on a December 24th episode of All American Wrestling. And uh, he has these Persian club challenges that are, are going on weekly. And uh, in his third attempt swinging the clubs, Backlund is successful. And Sheik immediately attacks him from behind and injures his neck, which is key, right? And uh, they have a December 26th title. And remember, we talked about that December 26th show at the Garden and how big that show is. And in 80, uh, 83, December of 83... Uh, they take the belt off of Backland and put it on Sheik, who becomes uh, the World Wrestling Federation champion. Upside down belt, wearing it that way and all. Okay, what about, do you have any reactions, anything you want to add about Sheik up to that point? Then we're going to transition. We're going to talk about the belts a little bit. But anything else you want to add about sure, yeah. Sheik? Yeah. I- I kind of wanted to explain what that Persian uh, sure. club challenge was to the audience that you might not know, uh, because he would go on on the independent circuit, even as an old man, still being able to do this. What they were was probably like 
80 pound bowling pins kind of the way you hold them right and you would you would i guess jerk them up using strength of your legs and get then get them up to your shoulders strength of your shoulders and arms and i don't know the twirl is the right word but swing the swing swing them around your neck using you know using your shoulders and arms as strength very 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 hard to do uh, this guy, even as an old man, is I don't think maybe he's not doing it today, but I think he was still doing it 10, 15 years ago when he was like 65. And, uh, you know, these clubs, he attacked Backlund. Back, Backlund, I believe, was able to do it, but he was kind of, you know, kayfabe in that he couldn't do it. Backlund's a very strong man in his own right. And uh, she, you know, jumped him from behind and the clubs kind of clumsily fell and boom, Backlund's hurt. And uh, we also got to mention that the ending to this title match where the Sheik beats Backlund is very, very famous and talked about for years and years and years by the announcers. Afterwards, Arnold Skolin, Backlund's manager, threw in the towel. Mm, Backlund he would submit. not submit. He would not. He would not submit. And that actually played into a uh, storyline with Bret Hart many years down the road in 1994. And, um, yeah, it was just, just, just cool stuff, something you always – when Iron Sheik won the title, people always say, oh, yeah, they threw the towel in. That's just yep. always very, very memorable. Well, let's talk and... about the title a little bit. So the title debuts April 11th, 1963, and Buddy Rogers is the first ever uh, winner of a fictional tournament. Nature in, Boy. Yeah, in Rio de Janeiro. I don't know why they oh, another had... another fantastic... yeah. That was a Pat Patterson. They, uh, yeah, they love it. Intercontinental. They're... That's a big spot for tournaments. <laughs> uh, it was the WWF uh, title because they had left uh, the NWA at this time. So, Buddy... I forgot to tell you, I, I had a podcast before this that only aired in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> well, he had it for 36 days. He's kind of the first transition champion because on May 1763... Uh, Bruno San Martino becomes champion, and he holds that belt for 2,803 days. It's a lot of days. Yep, and then uh, he loses to Koloff, Ivan Koloff, in one of the most shocking moments in the history of Madison Square Garden. Russian bear, brother. Yep. Uh, Not in the Hall of Fame, strangely. But Bruno does win it again, has a second run. Uh, Pedro Morales in between there, a significant run. Uh, but, picked it up from Ivan. But Bruno has another 1,200 days. Uh, but one thing I wanted to say kind of about this was they have these transition champions. So, like, Buddy Rogers, 36 days. Then Bruno, almost 3,000. Then Koloff, 21. Then Morales, 1,000. He loses his Stan Stasiak, who has it for yeah. nine. Yeah, right. nine days. So, so uh -huh. the thing is, and Dave, I'll let you explain it in a little more detail. New York or the New York Territory was always kind of a babyface territory. They liked to have the champion on the babyface, so they would use these bad guys as a way to move the title from good guy to good guy. You kind of want to explain that a little bit more, why they did that? Yeah, I mean, they, they wouldn't want the um, uh, good guy beating a good guy because it could take away you know, a bit of the pop. You're going to get Bruno took the belt off Morales, two faces, you know, the a lot of Puerto Ricans, they loved him in New York City. Pedro was a like ethnic champion, like we spoke of before. So you couldn't have, if you want to put it back on Bruno, you can't have that match. You're going to split the audience. Yep. So you got to have that transitional heel come in, you know, get the heat on on the babyface champs. And then when the new guy comes in, he's ready to go. Just like what's going to happen on, on our show today with the Hulkster. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a babyface territory. Not everybody can have the belt. 
Another, I'm, I'm really going off on the smarts today. They just don't understand that. And for some reason, wrestling caters to the smarts now, and everybody does have the belt. And that's why wrestling does, doesn't work anymore, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, in a nutshell, basically that's what it is. You had your hero as a champ, your Rocky Balboa. If you like Rocky movies, this is a weekly Rocky movie, professional wrestling, professional wrestling in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s. Well, and I love everything about it. In April of 1977, the superstar Billy Graham uh, wins the title from Bruno and ended his second run. And instead of using him as a transitional champion, they let him run for 296 days. Uh, so almost he and he could have been turned face. Could have. I mean, we yep. we might not be. If he did, we might not be doing sitting here doing the whole Colgan podcast today. Sure. You know, a lot of things. A lot of things could have been different. But he, you know, he had that charisma. You know, he he got some cheers and stuff. So maybe that's why they let him. Hold, you know, they had him hold on to it uh, before they had Bobby ready to come in and uh, you know take it from him. Yeah, so but, uh, yeah, the superstar got another Keith Richards of wrestling that's still with us to this day. In February of '78, Backlund does win the belt, and I heard this great story that superstar Billy Graham tells. So Backlund wins the belt, and they're going to do some returns, right? They're going to do some Backlund as champ versus superstar Billy Graham matches. So they're in MSG, and Vince McMahon Senior is in the hallway uh, with superstar Billy Graham, and they're waiting for introductions. They're about to start the match. And Bob Backlund comes out of the dressing room and he's got a long robe on from, you know, shoulders to his feet. And the belt is underneath the uh, the robe. And Mr. McMahon Sr. says to him, you know, Bobby, where's the belt? And Backlund says, well, you know, it's under my robe. And Sr. says, well, the crowd wants to see you, wants to see the belt. And Backlund's like, no, I really like my robe. And Billy Graham is just fuming because he's saying, like, this is the guy. This is the guy. You took the belt off of me for this mm. guy. And, again, he felt for a long time like he should have, like you said, transitioned as a face and ran with that belt longer. And this is what he says, that McMahon Sr. goes to Backlund four different times trying to get him to put the belt on the outside of the robe. Uh, and he w- just or at least over it. the shoulder or something. Yeah, something. You know? He just won't do it. But in the end, Backlund held the belt. Petty, uh, petty. Yeah. I like Bob Backlund, but come on already. Yeah, this is this is entertainment. Yep, he held the yeah. belt from February twentieth, nineteen seventy eight, uh, until that day on December twenty sixth, nineteen eighty three. Like we said, we just had the anniversary of it, thirty seven years, where the Iron Sheik uh, is the champion, and and you mentioned it that he won by submission. When Scallon threw in the towel, uh, when Backlund was put into the camel cut to prevent a major injury to his neck. Uh, the title was renamed the WWF World Heavyweight Championship uh, when they ended their affiliation with uh, the NWA uh, back a few years before that. So all build is going to this January 23rd. Uh, MSG show. So back then they ran MSG once a month. We've talked about that on here. And uh, December, Sheik wins it, and he's going to defend it on January 23rd at MSG against Hulk Hogan. Supposed Before, to be, it was announced as Backlund, though. Of course, we'll probably get to that. Hogan right. was a well, maybe a week or two. Here's what I wanted, started replacement. I wanted to do now is I want to give you a chance, to kind of give the listeners an eye into what 
was going on in January of 84? What was happening that month uh, to lead us to our show? What else? What is the background? You, which again, right? Which you, you kind of jumped over me on it, but what happened in those few weeks to lead us to this instead of a return, but a Hogan uh, versus Sheik match? And maybe we start, uh, of course, on January seventh uh, when Rowdy Piper debuts, uh, managing Schultz and Orndorff, and the Hulk Hogan build as the Incredible Hulk Hogan. Uh, returns from the AWA with Mean Gene. So what happens in January to kind of build us towards uh, this match, this title defense at the Garden? Yeah, well, they were playing off that Backlund was hurt in that match, you know, with the Sheik, obviously, scrolling through the towel in. It kind of doesn't make sense how Backlund did wrestle Samu on the uh, January 7th taping where he in- introduces the Hulkster. He comes out for the first time in Allentown, first time back since Hulk was a heel. And he, he tells the back when tells the crowd in the interview, this man has changed his ways. He's my friend now. He's here for the good. And Hogan just getting insane pops. All right. And why did they the have to do there. that? Why did they have to do that, Dave? Because he Hulk was there as a heel earlier. Right. Yeah. earlier. I mean, the last time that crowd saw him, even though they saw him in the Rocky movie or whatnot, but it, he was a heel in that movie as well. You know, they didn't see him in the AWA when Hulkamania started to bubble. You know, with the uh, AWA wasn't on ESPN at that time. Right, they remember so, him uh, as the guy with with Blassie who fights the giant at Shea Stadium. That's the there memory. you go. Right, so they need they need with the hair with the hairy back and uh, a foreign object in the arm pad. Right, they need they need <laughs> Backlund to give him the rub and give him o- get him over, and it works well. So I'm sorry to interrupt well. you there, but keep going. So what, that's okay. How do they set up and this match? So then. Um, the next week, you know, the same taping, but the next week on television, Hogan teams up with Bob Backlund to take on the combination of the devious one, Mr. Fuji and Tiger Chung Lee. And so now Hulk is in New York's TV's eyes is stapled as you know, a good guy. He's, they see all that energy he has and I had a tiger and just all, you know, just this wildness. And then um, the 122 uh, TV show had Victory Corner. Uh, the pre predecessor to Piper's Pit with Robert Dubord, a magazine writer, as the host. Hulkster was the guest on that show, and at this time, it was announced by then that Hulk, you know, on the if you want to call them the event centers, would be replacing an injured Bob Backlund to face the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden uh, on January 23rd. Uh, the Backlund injury, I mean, even though he had wrestled on TV, I guess you could just say he wasn't. You know, I don't think anybody cared, but. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, basically what got us there. Elk Hulkster actually did debut uh, for this run at the tail end of 1983 in uh, December 27th in St. Louis for wrestling at the chase taping over the incomparable Bill Dixon, who we see a lot of on this show. And um, yeah, and Mean Gene debuted with Hulk at that time. We're going to get into a lot of stuff that also started at this time. A lot of guys had just returned. Tito Santana, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff debuted. Valentine returned. It's like everything... We love 80s kids about wrestling is just, boom, thrown right at us right here. And then little by little, as the year goes on, more and more and more starts sticking to the board. Right. So, uh, yeah. And just to use kayfabe a little bit because we like to do that. Yeah, Backlund wrestled on TV against a lesser opponent. But True. his neck was not in this kind of shape to risk being put in the camel needed, clutch again. And he needed Hulk. If you want to kill him kayfabe, he needed Hulk's help. He yep. needed him in his corner. Then he needed him as a partner. Yep, and he just couldn't so risk. he needed him to fight for him. He couldn't risk being in the ring alone against the Sheik and and have a chance to be in that camel clutch again because 
by the time that the uh, the towel gets in this time, he might not ever walk again. So couldn't take that risk. Hulk needs to uh, to make the save, and that kind of builds us to where uh, we are going to be after the break. So again, this match takes place uh, on the twenty third at Madison Square Garden. Uh, but instead Monday of Monday fo- night, the night after the Super Bowl. Yeah, but instead of focusing on that particular card. Uh, of course, after it happens on all the syndicated shows, A, B, C, D, whatever show it is, uh, the main the main plot of that show is we have a new champion. Uh, so we're going to look at the A show at the time, uh, and we're going to look at the 128-84 episode, the first episode after the belt change. We're going to go through it. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to read the news from January of 1984. Uh, We're going to break down the 128-84 card. And, of course, we're going to break down the match. Hulk Hogan uh, versus the Iron Sheik and the start of Hulkamania. You ready, Dave? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. We'll be right back. Podcast Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins. He's Hollywood New- Dave Rollins, brother. He is in New Jersey. I'm in Buffalo. It is in between Christmas and New Year 2020. And it is time, Dave, to read the news. The news. Let's do it. In a better time, 1984 <laughs> for sure. <laughs> January of 1984, and we start in New York City with the transit fair race. Uh, to take New York City transit goes from 75 cents to 90 cents. When was the last time you were on a New York <laughs> When was the last time you were on a New York City subway, Dave? Um, that's a really good question. Not too long ago, but also not too short ago. Um, the New York subway do you remember 10 the, years ago? Do you remember the tokens? I do. Yeah. Sure. The first time I went to New York City tokens, second time it was cards, and I'm wondering if you know, soon it's going to be all on phones and stuff. They won't even have the cards. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy time. I mean, everything. I mean, people that older people that you know, it takes some time to realize how how to work this shit. They should have both available, if anything. That's not just my opinion. 
Now, does that transit, that fare, does that include bus or is that just for subways? I would say it's pretty much across the board, right? Just I yeah, don't think they have multiple prices. Bus, uh, I've ridden the bus into New York City in, in the past five years, uh, plenty of times. We catch it over in um, North Bergen area. You drive over there, park, catch it over there, and, uh, you know, drive, you know, take the bus into the city, to the garden or whatnot. But usually we have a, uh, what we do over in Harrison, the town over from me and Carney, we have a path station. And it goes right, you get the path train to Harrison, it goes either right to the World Trade Center or right to 33rd, boom, boom. You know, the fare there now, I guess, is probably about, uh, got got to be probably almost five bucks for, I was say for a one-way bucks, shot. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of, a lot has changed. Uh, the, the Rose Bowl, the 70th Rose Bowl, January 2nd, not New Year's Day in 1984 for whatever reason, UCLA beats Illinois, so the Pac-12. Uh, beats the Big Ten, 45-9. to nine. Uh, Auburn, wow. Auburn, led by the great Bo Jackson uh, and Kevin Green. Rest in peace to, to Kevin yes, Green. Yes, we failed to mention lean, mean Kevin Green, the sack machine. We also, He could be lumped in with our wrestlers that we lost this year. Obviously got into WCW for a time. Big, yeah. big loss. Big they, loss. Seemed like a really cool guy. They beat Michigan 9-7, to seven, so another loss for the Big Ten. But... In the Orange Bowl, number five, Miami beats number one, Nebraska, 31-30. to That Miami team was led by Bernie Kosar, who played for the Browns, who lost the AFC Championship game to Denver. I was wrong last week, not Dave. Uh, I had said <laughs> that the Browns won. I was supposed to say the Broncos won, so Dave gets the... The money in the tip jar on his side. That was last. That was last week. Okay, yeah. That 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 feels yeah. that feels a little longer. I forgot. I was gonna let you go on that, dude. No. I forgot about it. No, yeah, when the I'm Giants. Wrong, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. I'm like the Giants the, beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl. So I'm like, when you you were saying you're you know, you're reading the sports or reading the news and like the yeah. Broncos lost, I'm like, no, oh, I fucked gonna? up. But yeah. Bernie, like, you're the sports guy here. You're the sportscasters. <laughs> Bernie Kosar's Miami Hurricanes uh, beat Nebraska and become the consensus. Uh, national champions for 1983. On January 4th, Harry Anderson and Night Court premieres NBC TV. You and Night, Night Court, Court. Uh, I can't say I'm a regular watcher, but that theme. We had a TV, uh, when I was maybe senior in high school, we had a TV themes CD. And we'd you know, go around, we'd go to people's parties drinking and stuff. We'd play that oh, CD. Oh, it's a good one, Every, yeah. Yeah, everybody would get a charge out of different strokes, growing, growing pains and stuff, but my one friend, Soup, who we've mentioned on here before, just kept rewinding, you know, putting back Nightcore, playing Air Base, you know, to that yeah. to that theme. So that, that, that's what sticks out in my head about uh, Nightcore the most is that memorable theme. We talked about last show, the interesting hockey game in New Jersey in front of 300 fans. Hopefully there was more than 300 people uh, in Minnesota on January 4th where Edmonton, uh, with Gretzky and Messier, guys even Dave's heard of. Yeah, it, I have. Yeah, sure. they beat Minnesota. <laughs> it's a great one. Get this score, 12 to 8. Uh, wow. The highest scoring modern NHL hockey game still to this day, too. Still to this day holds up. Yep. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? January 8th, the NCAA announces that the basketball tournament was 64 teams. It expanded, hasn't expanded since. All right, let's see if I can get the, the, the football championship games right <laughs> uh, this time. The AFC championship game is the Raiders beating the Seahawks uh, 34 to 14. And the Redskins uh, beat the 49ers and Joe Montana 24-21, to setting up a Raiders versus Redskins uh, Super Bowl. January 9th. That would be the last time the Raiders won it right there. That would be January Somebody 9th. Somebody was arguing on Facebook about that recently. 
TV bloopers and practical jokes uh, premieres on NBC. Now, I'm not familiar with that show. Is that kind of like a America, like a, a version of America's Funniest Videos before I think so. America's Funniest Videos, like yeah. that kind of deal? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, big, uh, big, 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 big music. Uh, two of them. Uh, January 9th, John Lennon, the single Nobody Told Me, releases as the first release after his death. Uh, How do you say that word? Posthumously. Posthumously. Okay, yeah. I'll never forget it now. Yeah, his first, the first release. And also that day, uh, Van Halen releases 1984 uh, with Jump and Love Walks In. Um, or excuse me, I'll Wait. Love Walks In. I'll Wait. That's my favorite song on there. Yeah. I'll Wait. I'll Wait. Hot for Teacher, Panama. Panama. Yep. Drop Dead Legs. Huge, huge album for them, but the last one, of course, uh, with the flamboyant David Lee Roth. Diamond Dave, my my cousin, Hollywood Dave's cousin, Diamond Dave. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, I even I, I was still three, as were you at this time, on this time in 1984, early in the year. I had this on um, 45. I used to collect, not collect, but any songs I like, my dad and my uncle will get me the 45, which people oh, don't sweet. realize that. Yeah, the little records. A little little record. A single, and then on the song on the back would be the B side. That's why people people call certain songs B sides. All you kids might not realize that. But I had the 45 of Jump in 1984, my man. This came up earlier on a show. January 10th, Clara Peller first asks, Where's the beef? (laughs) Where's the beef? And she didn't stop asking until at least 1986. (laughs) Right. As far as we know. (laughs) They were still, still milking that. January 10th. Harman I Kil- just hope they they I hope they mic'd her on the commercials. <laughs> uh, January tenth, Harmon Killebrew is elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, Congratulations! The U.S. reestablishes full diplomatic relations with the Vatican after almost 117 years. Holy shit! We had the highest scoring NHL game. How about the highest scoring NBA game? Listen to this: the Denver Nuggets 163 and the San wow. Antonio Spurs 155. Oh my goodness, that was a lot of action back yep. and forth. For you know, for for someone like me, that's you know not the biggest sports guy in the world. I probably would have enjoyed that game. Yeah, not uh, so not too much defense. Whatever you want to say. January fourteenth, Madonna first sings "Holiday" on American Bandstand. Okay, yeah, you- Madonna. I remember I had a forty-five. I don't want to get into make this whole about Dave's forty-five collection, but I believe I had Borderline around this time on. I'm 45. Great song. So you know how the the kids say hot takes, right? I don't, but now I do. Okay, well, I guess a hot take is something that you have that's like controversial, like okay. a controversial opinion. So a hot take of mine is that if you just take their top five songs, I prefer Cindy Lauper's top five to Madonna's top five. No question about it. I agree 100%. But that's it. After those five top five of Cindy Lauper, kind of it drops like, off. I hate that I say it. Kind of yep. drops off. It drops off. But yeah, I'm, I'm more I'm more of a Cindy Lauper fan, top five, and as a person as well. Madonna's not hasn't always been my favorite. Uh, not my cup of tea. Uh, January Put it that six, way. January sixteenth, a couple music ones. Uh, the American Music Awards, the eleventh version. We just talked about how they just had a whatever version. Whatever. I guess we could do the math, but whatever version of it this year where they. Left off um, mm. Eddie Van Halen. But the 11th annual American Music Awards, they honored Pat Benatar and Michael Jackson cleaned up that night. 
Yeah. Back then, they would have the whole thing would have been God forbid if something happened to Eddie Van Halen back then or somebody of that caliber. Right. The whole show would have been dedicated to him probably. Absolutely. When things were when things were normal. And uh, Paul and Linda McCartney not at the Music Awards instead being arrested in Barbados. Wild. Uh, for possession of cannabis. Action. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty yeah. cool for, for Paul McCartney. Huge. Maybe plant. Maybe plant it in Michael Jackson's bag for stealing his music. Huge, huge Supreme Court ruling for pop culture. The Supreme Court rules five to four that private use of home VCRs to tape TV programs for later viewing does not violate federal copyright laws. That's insane that that was even that that even had to be brought to court. Right, we would not <laughs> you know I mean? not have DVR right now if that goes the other way. Right, you could have a, a cop knocking on your door for taping Facts of Life yep. uh, the night before on Channel Five. I mean, uh, give me a break here. Yeah, this is uh yeah that <laughs> well, you wouldn't have had a lot of things. Why would they sell blind tapes in Crazy Eddie? You know what I mean? What are, what are they for? Just for your home videos? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, insane. Yeah. That 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 really is insane. Yeah, it's a big one. All right, January twenty yeah. second, uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, it's Super Bowl X V I I I fifteen. Oh no, never 18. mind. 16. 18. Tampa Bay Stadium, Tampa, Florida, uh, where the Super Bowl will be this year. The Los Angeles Raiders, as you said, beat the Washington Redskins thirty eight to nine. Do you want to try to guess the MVP? Oh, mm. I'll give you a hint. Running back, USC, but not OJ. <laughs> uh, but, but, but maybe had sexual relations with Nicole. Oh, I probably do know. Who, do I Do I, no, I 100% know this 100%, name? yes. 100%. And he was on the Raiders in 1984. Running back. Yeah, right, okay. and he went to USC, and there was a big controversy because OJ accused him of being with Nicole. What's his up, initials? M.A. Marcus Allen. Correct. All right. All right. Now, here's a really important, important, important moment that night. You know how it's always a big deal. What airs after the Super Bowl, right? Not as much anymore as it used to be. The lead-in. Well, just this uh, Friday night, Friday night SmackDown, because they had the NFL on for Christmas. Sure. Yeah. The SmackDown got a huge, got the rating of the year, like, like a 3-4. Right. So, you know, what, so that, that always. Do you know what aired after Super Bowl eighteen? Uh, I'm gonna take I just a I don't know, but a wild get. What network was Super Bowl? On NBC. It was various. NBC. An episode of Dallas. The A Team. Oh, all right, even better. Yes, B A Barack. Yeah, the A Team. The '84 was still, you know, it was still in its kind of its heart there. The A Team. All right, uh, January 23rd, big one for me. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers become the first team in NHL history to win ten straight road games. Uh, and the, so what did they play? The Municipal Auditorium? Was that there? Uh, the Memorial there? Auditorium. Memorial Auditorium. But these were ro- road games. and the Road record, games. The record was set at the Boston Garden. Uh, Peter Winston, our friend, uh, his team goes down 5-3 to the Mighty Sabres. Uh, oh, I got to mention it because it's on the website I use for this. January 23rd, event of interest. Hulk Hogan defeats the Iron Sheik to win his first skip World it. Wrestling Federation title at the Madison Square Gardens in New York. Yeah. And do you think, uh, you know, some of these Dave Meltzer guys have their title victories in written down there? No. In the... No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Life-changing moment. January 24th. Apple unveils its revolutionary Macintosh personal computer. Very cool. Yes. Very uh, cool. 
And King Kong Bundy would go on to do some commercials. I don't know if that was for. I don't think it was for Apple. I'm only kidding. He did do com- computer commercials a few years after this. January 27th, Michael Jackson is burned during filming for a Pepsi commercial. Stikes I remember this. Own hair yeah. on fire. What do you got on it? I remember this. I mean, I'm not going to say it like it was yesterday, but I remember it very clearly, like being in like my parents' kitchen and the little TV they had on there and just being heartbroken. Like, oh, my, you know, the Michael Jackson, you know, three-year-old, you know right. what I'm saying? This, this was the Thriller video came out in late 83 and ran, you know, ran rampant. All the, oh, the Thriller video just, just came out. It just came out. It came out in December of 83. So, I mean, it was on fire, at the, <laughs> technically on fire, literally. At this time, Michael Jackson was on fire. But uh, I like how Peter, we just mentioned Peter Winston, him yeah. and the great Keithy. They they think that well, they don't. You know, they're, they're kidding around. But the re- but it makes sense. The real Michael Jackson was killed, if I'm correctly on this on this day with the fire, and that's when he started becoming strange because an imposter uh, came in, and it, the timeline makes perfect sense because right after this is when he looked different, started acting. He was still cool on bad. But, you know, it was definitely his look had, you know, deteriorated, in my opinion, to be the start of that strange look. I have an alternate theory. The guy's Let's a freak. <laughs> That's it. Yes. All right, January 28th, the great <laughs> Wayne Gretzky does not score a point against uh, the Kings, and it ends a 51-game uh, scoring streak, a record that still stands to this day. During that 51 games... He had 61 goals, 92 assists, and 153 points. Amazing. The we- great one has definitely deserved a title for that. Yeah. That uh, the NBA All-Star Game on January 29th, the 34th edition. The East beats the West 154 to 145. Would you like to guess the MVP? I will give you a hint. He was snubbed from the Dream Team in 92. Because Michael Jordan was not a fan. Hmm. 92 is probably the time where I knew the most about basketball. You know, yeah. and this guy, Jordan this guy is a superstar. Superstar. Played his college basketball at Indiana for Bobby Knight, where he won a national champion. He won two W, uh, excuse me, not W, but NBA titles for the <laughs> Pistons. WWF, yeah. nobody. For the Pistons. Hmm. Oh, well, the Pistons. Oh, yeah. Uh, Point guard. IT. Yeah, um, Coach the Knicks. You say coach the Knicks? He did coach the Knicks, yeah. General manager of the Knicks. IT. Hmm. Isaiah Thomas. Oh, Isaiah Thomas. Oh, I would have got it. I would have got it with the IT. That's easy. All right. With the initials. That was too easy. With the, Every week we got to start We got to start doing this. Get my <laughs> guessing guessing game up a little bit. But I think I surprised you with Marcus Allen quick when, I got, when you gave me the initials. Event of interest. January 29th. President Reagan formally announces... He will seek his second term. Spoiler alert, it is a successful uh, bid for president as he won 49 states, losing only Minnesota and Washington, D.C. One of the greatest, in in my opinion. Don't want to make this political. but January 31st, the 36th NHL All-Star Game in Brendan Byrne Arena. There it is, my yeah. home uh, studio there. Right down the street from Hollywood, Dave, mm-hmm. who is in attendance this night. Sitting right behind the net as the Wales Conference beats the Campbell Conference 7-6. And a New York Rangers forward, Don Maloney, presents the championship puck to a young Hollywood Dave Rollins. 
And I got to tell you, I missed the Brenda Byrne Arena, the Izod Center, not the Isaiah Thompson Center, the Izod Center. That big fat Chris Christie uh, uh, closed it down. It's still standing. They still do like, I mean, before COVID, obviously. If a band was, you know, coming to town, yeah, maybe set start, up there. starting at, yeah. yeah, maybe starting at the Garden, maybe starting at Prentice Center. You're starting on the East Coast. They'll do their rehearsals right, right there in, in, the, in the Meadowlands. But uh, I need that open again. Prentice Center, it's, it's, just, it's just not the same. It's, you know, you got to go to. I like tailgating. Yeah, yeah it's either you got to go to bars, spend all your money. It's, I like to tailgate and party. And the best of the Meadowlands was for people that might not know. It's adjacent to BetLife Stadium, Giant Stadium, right, right. there. It's all together. Two more quick yeah, runs. Yeah, I miss it. And also the home of SummerSlam 89 and 97. 97, and also, I think, 07. Quickly, Saturday Edwin, main event. Edwin Newman retires from NBC News after 35 years. And the last thing, U.S. performs a nuclear test at a Nevada test site. That's the news, Dave, for January oh. of 1984. Sounds thoughts. good, my man. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts is that I wish, um, you know, uh, I have a, a bit of a piece of news here from thinking about Back to the Future since I want to go back in time to 1984, something you didn't touch on. We had the first black mayor of Philadelphia on January oh. 2nd. Wilson Good was his name. It was and good I was wondering if they... living with you, Wilson. It was Sounds good. good to me. I wonder if he was the inspiration for the African-American Mayor in Back to the Future, the great Goldie Wilson, as Back to the Future came out shortly maybe, after this. Maybe, I like it. Pretty cool, right? Pretty yeah. cool. All right, well, props, all to, I got. props to Mayor Wilson. There you go. I hope, he, I hope he's still with us today. I do not know. January 28th, 1984. Let's picture it across the country, 12 p.m. on a Saturday. Turn to Channel 29 or wherever it is on your dial. Do you remember where Championship Wrestling aired in New York? Uh, absolutely. I could do a whole podcast on this. A lot of people on some of the wrestling boards on Facebook, I always school them on when everything was on. Yeah, it was on Channel 9, W-O-R. At this time, it was still on at midnight on Saturdays. Championship okay. Wrestling, as All-Star, was on on Saturday mornings. Yeah, Championship Wrestling in Buffalo, I believe, aired on w, um, WGR Channel 2. And um, All Star, I believe, was what on twenty nine. What affiliates were were those? Just independents. Uh, Channel Two was the NBC affiliate, and at the time, twenty nine was independent. And what would eventually be the Fox affiliate. Cool. And they both yeah, eventually they both exist today as well. Still. Yeah, eventually most of the shows went over to the Fox affiliate. Yep. For when it became Superstars and Challenge and whatnot. Well, we'll get to, you can ask me that question at whatever. Whatever we do. So next week, whatever yeah, we do. Fun. Yeah, I got to tell you when Superstars and Challenge was on. Our announcers are Vince McMahon and Gene Okerlund. Of course, Gene Okerlund is very new to the company. Brand Spanking New. Yeah, Brand Spanking New came over with uh, Hulk uh, from AWA. Maybe a little bit of a package deal there. Uh, mean Gene is very important. I'm sure we'll do a whole show on Gene and his role. Love, 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 yeah. love Mean Gene. But Mean Gene, like, stuff you go, we loved him as kids, obviously, who didn't? But, like, re-watching wrestling now, like, watching old stuff, the things you pick up, pick up on Mean Gene now is incredible. You make to love him even so much more. Now, the show starts out with the replay of the match, but we're going to hold off on that. We'll come back to that. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, just kind of as a note, is that if you... 
watch this now. If you get a version that's not the original, most likely the Hogan will come out to Real American. But of course, just as a side note, I have the Tiger is still the song Hulk is coming He's out to. Standing in that hallway and it hits. Yep. All right. Let's, we'll come back to that. Bill Dixon uh, versus Tito Santana. <laughs> I know. I know. I was. I know a Carney guy that uh, hangs out in the bars a lot that looks exactly like Bill Dixon. Yep. Just throw that in there. It's quite the look. So he's a fat guy with a beard, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Exactly. He gets in. Brief, Gary Curl, you know. A uh, little bit of brief offense, but Tito blocks a hip toss, backdrops him, uh, drop kicks him, and then finishes it with the flying forearm. An awesome flying forearm, by the way. One minute and 19 seconds. Tito goes I love, over. I love how you mentioned you know, they aired the Hulk Iron Cheek match. We're going to get back to it before this. And then the first match on this show is Tito, who just returned to the company two months prior to this. And those two were the first thing. Hulk and Tito were yep. the first things shown on this show. And they would stay to the, with the company all the way to both to the summer of 1993 and leave at the exact same time. And I thought that's pretty wild. They're also the only two wrestlers to appear on WrestleMania 1 to 9. All of them. Straight through. Well, uh, Tito, you know, just dark match on the 9, but it still right. counts. Uh, Tito is not the Intercontinental Champion yet. Don The Rock Morocco is champion, but by February, he will be the champion. Boston Garden yeah. for Peter Winston. Um, Steve Lombardi and S.D. Jones uh, versus the Wild Samoans with Captain Lou Dude. Albano. <laughs> this, this, this match really uh, really cracked me up. I guess Steve Lombardi missed some of his lessons at Terry Garden, Terry Garden School of Self-Defense this week as he was, he was helped out of there. Uh, that cracked me up. And obviously, as, as you're going to say, uh, they come back. SD comes back with Tony and Rocky. Yep. Uh, Afa beats on Lombardi as Vince reads a fan mail question from Iowa, addressed to Oakland about which tag <laughs> team could compete for the title. I'm sure that there was an email from, or a fan mail, <laughs> email, a fan mail question from Iowa just sitting there. Uh, Oakland answers by stating there are many teams, uh, but then goes completely quiet, ignores the question. Uh, Lombardi, uh, I just thought that was funny. Lombardi gets kicked <laughs> out of the ring and Afa follows him outside and then rams him into the post. SG. <laughs> I'm laughing about it now, actually. It's hitting me late. S- that is funny. SD comes over and walks the injured Lombardi to the locker room. SD then comes back and into the ring. He's by himself. What's he going to do? He's going to get a little double knob and knocker in before getting his ass kicked. Uh, but Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas run in for the save. Uh, before the Samoans clean house uh, and Captain Lou walks him to the back. The referees rule that the Samoans win by DQ due to the interference uh, from Atlas and Rocky Johnson. Four minutes and six seconds in this. Kind of good fun, I thought. I really enjoyed this. Kind yeah, of like- it, was, it, was, it was good stuff. It was, it was exciting you know, for a TV match. And I always, even as a kid, always loved SD. Something always, like, I always got behind him. I wanted, even though I knew he was going to lose, like, like you know that memorial charge. You know what I mean. That he always misses in the in the turnbuckle. Like the, the guys on place to be always talk about it, something about about him. I just he just seemed like such a nice guy. Well, just and, a, uh, a really good piece of business here as the Samoans kind of leave as stronger champions, and it advances the feud uh, with Rocky and Tony, uh, who will eventually be champions. Uh, and they, I, I always they think, were ready champions at this time. Uh, Rocky and Tony. Right. I always uh I always look back 
I always look back at this. Oh, yeah, I said that wrong. What I meant to say is the Samoans come out looking as stronger challengers to the champion, not champions. There you go. I screwed that up. My there bad. You go. My bad. Denver, Denver Broncos. Denver Bron- That's the Denver Broncos mistake of the show. <laughs> uh, I always think back to Tony Atlas talking on that beginning of the that uh, panel show on the network where he's like, my career is, a, is, is too much too soon. I, was I missed that show. That yeah, show what a great awesome. show. Great I missed twenty four seven. It was better than way ever. better, way better for someone like us. Bless is more. Yeah, for someone like us, it's way better. Um, yes, sir. Okay, so Gene Orkelin brings out the champs, uh, and Rocky says they're fed up with the Samoans. Uh, Atlas bar- barely speaks, which is, you know, he barely speaks English. He's just rambling here. <laughs> he proclaims that he is white, black, blue, and American, and the crowd loves it. I can it. dig it. Crowd loved it. Crowd went nuts. Uh, Vince encourages fans to write a letter so that their question can get answered on air. Maybe if you aren't from Iowa, Gene will actually answer the question. It's kind of like me on the news sometimes. Like, hmm. All right. Big, big moment here. Uh, victory corner host Rob DeBoard. Welcome Before to you Rob. go forward, what yeah. do you know about this Rob DeBoard? Because I don't know much about Absolutely him. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, magazine writer, something. My 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 DeBoard knowledge kind of is one hundred percent centered around two or three moments of seeing him on WWF TV. Yeah, he he DeBoards me. Yep. He if someone said, "Hey, who's Rob DeBoard?" This is what I'd say. Uh, He hosted a segment called Victory Corner that was eventually replaced by Piper's Pit. Thank God. (laughs) Uh, DeBoard, let's say he's in his late thirties. He's got glasses. Uh, he announces that Victory Magazine is going to be WWF Magazine. And then he says that Piper's Pit will be appearing in the magazine. And then Piper just rips the mic from him. Calls yeah, him out. God. Says he's stupid. Uh, he doesn't have the guts to answer the right questions. Piper's just grossed out by the guy. Uh, Isn't it cool that, that, that a lot of people don't know that Piper's Pit was a magazine article? Yep. You know, and that that's how it started. Taking over uh DeBoring's job here as like the magazine Victory Corner interview segment. And uh he had the crowd really like loudly against uh, against him at the end. You know, like he just <laughs> doing a great job as the you know, the main heel here. And uh, you know, they're shifting away from the old WWF. You know, they're turning themselves into um what they're going to be. Uh, from 1994, and I wanted to give a shout out to just real quick, in case I forget, Scott's blog of doom. I'm pulling some of my notes for this show from there. You read the blog of doom? I have. I know what it is. Yeah, it's Scott. That's Scott from Place to Be. No, 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 no. Oh no, no. Oh, never mind. No, no. Uh, Scott. No, I haven't. I haven't read it then. Scott's blog of doom. It's out there. Brian Bayless, son of Skip Bayless, is the one who wrote this article. Uh, but I just wanted to give him kind of a shout out because I took some of uh, his notes to make my life easier. But I just didn't want him to not be. I didn't want to be like, you know, I stole it from from him. Got it. All right. Um, next up. Frankie Williams versus Greg Valentine. Uh, with- Isn't that something else? I want to cut you off real quick, Steve, that we went from the Piper taking over. Piper's Pit, and look who's in the first match. Yep. It, right after that, Frankie Williams, one of the most memorable Piper's Pit. And also Greg Valentine, who these two just came back together from the big uh, 
dog collar match at Starcade. Which I was watching the history, the timeline, history of the WWF, 1984. And Piper says that a big reason he was asked back after things didn't go that well for him, his first trip around, was that dog, that dog collar match. Um, that that yeah. was something that they had seen and that that really kind of put them back onto him. Uh, but, like, I think, you know, it's Frankie Williams. He's going to be. But to me, this show is all about how we're transitioning to what the WWF was in 81, 82, the, in the Backlund era, to what it's going to be in the Hogan era. You know, and here's Greg Valentine, again, who's going to be in the Intercontinental title match at WrestleMania 1, right? Like, here he is. You know, wrestling, right? wrestling a fat middle-aged jobber. Um, and this is Valentine's. Columbus, Ohio. This is Valentine's first appearance in a very long time. Uh, it's been a few years since he's been on WWF programming, uh, but right away he just beats you know beats the crap out of Williams, uh, leg drop, knee to the groin, and um, in two minutes he puts the figure four leg lock on him uh, to get over. You know, good squash match, effective return. Valentine is there, and he's going to be part of this going forward he's going to be someone big uh, player big player all right speaking of big players right uh tony Gurria versus paul orndorf with that guy roddy piper now piper was originally brought in at this point to be a manager and a mouthpiece even more than a wrestler obviously that doesn't take long to change but in this i think i had something to do with the uh the injury to his ear in the dog collar match yep, he was yep. out of the ring for a bit yep piper mentioned that in the in the shoot uh, but the crowd right away gets a Paula chant going uh, to tease <laughs> Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And speaking of Paula's, Paula. This is wonderful. You there, baby? Say hello to the people. Hello. Where the heck you been? Hey, Paula. Shopping. Shopping? Mm-hmm. All right. Ooh. All right. I hope you had a good Christmas, Paula. Will you stand tight, not because we're going to be doing our impression contest pretty soon Ooh. all right we got a cheeky baby impression contest coming up soon. oh paula got a good one yep featuring uh mrs wonderful all right so the crowd is throwing trash in the ring so like already these guys are over to the point where and trash is... and you could repeat the exact same thing you said about valentine about orndorff here yep he just returned you know a month or two before this exactly not, or not returned debuted with the company yep and orndorff is you know just beaten Guerrero, uh, he sells a little bit for Guerrero, which okay, uh, but then he gets a slam, and look at these are vicious. These are squash matches, and and they're for a reason. And like I said, they're they're putting over the new WWF. And if you look back on this card, you can see obviously the show starts with Hogan. He's going to be center of the show, top of the card for years to come. Tito Santana, he's the first guy. Through the curtain at WrestleMania 1. Wild Samoans and Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. They're going to be the center of the tag division for the next year or so. Greg Valentine. He's going to be in the Intercontinental Mix with with, uh, Santana. And he's the champion at WrestleMania 1. Orndorff's in the main event at WrestleMania 1. So you can see that they're very much rebooting the company. This is yeah. the third time. This is the third time to peel back the curtain that we've done this part of the podcast, and I think the best analogy we made, <laughs> the best analogy we made, so I'm going to use it again, is it's like PlayStation Five came out. There's still some stuff from PlayStation Four that they're going to use, some games that will play, 
But this is really a new generation of gaming for the WWF. Even if you go back six months before this, most of those guys Not were nowhere there. around yep. in, in the territory. Maybe the Samoans about it. So uh, a lot of changes for the better. Right here in 1984, that made you know this is the changes that made us a lot of us wrestling fans. Well, we got one more match on the card. It's B. Brian Blair versus Charlie Fulton. Another debut. Oh, Brian Blair. Yeah, I make you humble. Yep, and Sheik's always got that story screwed up because it was actually at WrestleMania three. It was Brunzel in the camel clutch, not Blair. Uh, but either way, it's Blair's debut. He's not as big of a star as some of these other guys, but he's going to be a part of the Killer Bees, which is yeah, so they were hot. they were they were over for yeah. sure. The Killer Bees, yeah, for a time. Yep, and uh, this match, you know, again isn't much. It's three minutes. It ends with Blair. Uh, putting Fulton in an abdominal stretch turns it into a crucifix for the pin. So that's the show. So now let's go back. So on the show, uh, they replay Hogan versus Sheik in its entirety, kind of, right? They show the match in its entirety. Besides, besides the end, the uh, after match. Right, and the so. stuff around the, the, you know, like in the MSG show itself, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. This is basically the middle, the match. Uh, and yeah, they, before the, I believe before, before the intermission. Right, and they show it, um, you know, obviously Hogan uh, wins the match. And we're going to break it down here in a second. But did you have any thoughts before we move on to that of the show in general, the one we just broke down? Any thoughts on the card, uh, the presentation of the television, anything outside of basically the basic theme, which we picked up on, that this is very much a changing point for the company where they are moving on with their new generation of stars, basically an all-star team through the territories. If you think about it, what Vince McMahon did around this time is, I'm going to take the best guy from Mid-South, take the best guy from Florida, the best guys from Minnesota, the best guys here. I'm going to put them on my cards, and it's going to be like a super card no matter what every night. Yeah. I just like the little the little cool tidbits in hindsight. We can look back and see how it starts with Hulk and then Tito's the first match, and they, they ran the whole you know the whole 10 years, another 10 years together. Piper's pick goes into a Frankie, you know, Frankie Williams match. That kind of stuff, and have, having Gene there instead of Pat Patterson is just that 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 tone of our our era. Pat Patterson didn't uh, commentate much more. You know, he'd be strictly behind the scenes, pretty much right after this. A couple more MSGs, I think he does with Gorilla. But yeah, times times have changed, and if this would be if I went if I was going to go back and hey, you know, maybe I'm out of work injured or something, I'm going to watch all WWF TV in order. This is where I would start. So. Well, um, well, let's go back to the garden. Uh, January 23rd, 1984. Uh, Sheik and Blassie enter the ring first, so the challenger is going to come out heat, second today. Heat, heat, heat. A lot of heat. A lot of heat. The crowd is amped. I mean, right from the beginning. Uh, the crowd, they can almost sense it, right? They, they know. They got a lot of hate in their heart for this man, as Gorilla said. Right, and a lot of love in their heart for the guy that's going to come out. Uh, we see... As even your dog is thrilled. Yeah, she's, she's, obsessed. she's here and I have the tiger in her head. Yep. And uh, we get to see a shot of Hogan coming out of the dressing room through the hallway and into the ring. Who do we see in the hallway as we go through it? He passes right by Vince McMahon Sr. He's the gentleman on his right. It's either Vince McMahon Sr. 
or Duncan from Duncan's Choice Toy Chest from Home Alone 2. I'll go with Vince McMahon Sr. Hulk passes right by him, and it's just like the passing of time. I mean, it wasn't meant to be. Nobody knew Vince got, he was going to pass away a few months later. But it's just, it's amazing. You see him standing there. This whole thing looks cinematic to me. It looks like a fight in a Rocky movie. It, it just doesn't, it's difficult. I guess because we've seen so many clips of it and different things over the years. Everything just seems so, so fucking perfect. And walking by Vince Sr., that, that's, that's unbelievable, man, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's iconic. And it's, again, another kind of analogy you- where we're walking past the past. And towards yeah. the future, right? We're walking. And for people that might not know, Vince Jr. is the one that decided Hulk, he was starting to take over. His father's health was failing. And, you know, he's the one that brought Hulk in from the AWA and whatnot. Just in case, you know, we have some new listeners to the legendary wrestling of the past. Anyone and, else? Uh, yeah. Anyone else in the hallway or? Uh, well, later on, there's somebody in this garden card. You want to touch on that later? You want me yeah, to, we'll, to talk we'll, about that now? We can get to that later. So yeah. So Hulk comes to the ring, huge pop. Um, gets jumped early. Sheik takes the advantage in the beginning. Gets Hulk in the in the camel clutch not once but twice. Right, Hulk battles out both times. Crowd is over for every punch, every kick. They got him right where they want Everything. him. Uh, it's really, the match is really, really, I think, pretty good, pretty pretty nicely done. It's about 10 minutes long, you know, and eventually Hulk will drop the five leg. Mi- five, yeah, five minutes. 10 minutes, I guess, from, from, all the shit. from entrance all the to exit, you know. Bell to bell, it's more like five minutes. So it's a short piece of business uh, in the ring. But it didn't need to be, I don't think, a second more either way. You get the basic formula that will be Hogan matches for a year to come. He takes the best shot of his opponent, hulks up, drops the leg, hooks the leg, one, two, three. A new champion, Hulk Hogan, they put the belts on him, uh, an abbreviated version of Hulk pose, and the iconic line from Gorilla, Dave was what? Hulkamania is here. I think Gorilla and Pat did an excellent job, even though you can't understand everything Pat's saying, that he was calling Gorilla Vince at one one or points. They were calling the referee the wrong name. But just they were so excited. Pat Patterson, before Hogan dropped the leg, says, I don't even want to talk. I want to watch the match. It's just something about it. It just grabs you. And boom, it hits that leg drop. And even the beginning, the way the Hulk, he didn't wait for the bell. He attacked the Sheik. He took the Sheik's robe and clotheslined him with it. It, it was a little different than the, the Hogan formula that was to come. He, he Hogan needs to beat the shit out of this guy to establish himself, and he did. You know, the Sheik got some heat on him, you know, like he should have, and got him in a camel clutch and stuff. But it, it, it was just perfect, 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 perfect. And it was like I mean, Hogan went to the ring, and he's like, he knew this is my moment, and he didn't wait for a second. He just attacked him right off the gun. You know, he didn't wait around uh, for the Sheik to control the action. You know, right away. May, that, that was, it may not have went this perfect with some of the rumors about the yeah. What talk about went down. Talk here about that. Match. There was now now here before you get into it. So here's the here's the deal, right? So Vince McMahon is breaking down the territory system. Basically, I mentioned it a second ago. He's poaching stars. He's running he's running buildings they've never run before outside of the Northeast where his territory traditionally was. He's changing the game, and there's some old school promoters 
who don't like it. One specifically, Vern Gagne, who, remember back in 1972, trained the Iron Sheik. And he gives Sheik a call the week leading up to this match. And Dave, what does he ask him? He asked the Sheik to break Hogan's leg, to shoot on him in the match, to go against what they were supposed to do in the ring, break the Hulkster's leg, take the WWF title, and bring it back to AWA TV. And uh, everybody talks about this in the Sheik. How much? Could have broken. How much? How much was the bounty? I don't recall. Hundred grand. Do you know? Hundred grand. Come back on the TV, on AWA TV in Minnesota. And uh, the Sheik, you know, was obviously an amateur collegiate wrestler. Hulk Hogan was not. And plus, Hulk Hogan would be giving him his body in the ring, not knowing he's going to try to break his leg, right. which makes it even a lot easier. I don't think... The reason why it didn't happen, I think the Iron Sheik is a good-hearted man. I don't think he was – nobody ever says this, but I just don't think he's going to break someone's leg that's given, given you their body without saying hey, – unless you say, come on, motherfucker, we're fighting for real. Now, say that to Hulk or something. I don't think he would do that, but, you know, he always said he didn't want to cut the hand that uh, feeds him, you know, with uh, the McMahons and, look at, and whatnot. Sheik is a smart guy. He's in the business over 10 years at this point. And I think he sees the money in Hogan, right? Yeah, and more money for him. And that means more and money for him, you know? What do you think, though, Steve? What's your opinion? Nobody ever talks about this. If Sheik did do that, what would think Andre? Well, first of all, guard in the back, first of all, I mean, right there on commentary. It's, it's just a, it's a business changing moment. I mean, if he just breaks Hulk Hogan's leg in the center of the ring in Madison Square Garden, I mean, everything changes that night. Right, I mean that's that's a level of going into business for yourself that worse than be, the Montreal screw job. Yeah, it'd be un, it'd be unprecedented. You know what I mean? I mean if he literally snaps Hogan's leg in half in front of twenty thousand screaming fans, I mean you might have a, they would have had a riot. Yeah, the gorilla would have got in there for sure. I mean, yeah, gorilla, Pat, it was an amateur wrestler. Passed there, Andre. Andre the there that night. And speak, yeah, the, speaking of Andre, uh, Andre's there to pour the champagne on Hogan's head. Hogan's, That's nice of you. Hogan's in the back with Mean Gene. Hogan's cutting the promo. Andre comes in, pours the champagne. It's nice, Andre. Paula, how do we know when it's not nice, Andre? When it's not nice, Andre. When it's nice, Andre. We we know he wears shorts. He wears shorts when he's nice, Andre. What does he wear when he's mean, Andre? He wears um, a black white. A black singlet. Yeah. And who's his boss when he's mean, Andre? Um, Wally, um, Piper? No, the weasel, bruh. The weasel, I guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to spell it, so sometimes I keep forgetting. Yeah, so. What Close is, enough. When mean Andre confronts Hogan years later, what does he say to him? He says. Three years to be a champion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you gotta exactly. love it. Yeah, exactly. You gotta love it. So that's, I mean, that's the night at the Garden. Um, and uh, Andre yeah. actually had a busy night this night before sure. pouring champagne on Hogan and working in the six-man match against the Samoans later on in the card with Atlas and Johnson. He appeared, obviously it's taped earlier in the day, on the David Letterman show. Yeah, with, which uh, is an very, very unbelievable cool appearance. appearance. It's on YouTube. It's so cool to see Andre kind of just in that setting. You know, and and Dave is great in it. I think does a great interview. Oh, with thanks. Him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, not that Dave. Huh. Uh, the uh, New York City Dave, not Hollywood Dave. <laughs> but uh, and um, 
One thing I wanted also wanted to touch on about this night, a little off topic of Hulk server, well, not really, is that Andre Six Man that ended the show was Andre Atlas and Johnson against all three Samoans, you know, including Samu, in the you know in the tunnel that we saw Hulk yep. walk out of, walk past the Vince McMahon Senior. You also see Andre the Giant and the Samoans coming down the tunnel. And who's massaging Rocky Johnson's back? But his son Dwayne the Rock. Dwayne, talk about for things to come, huh? Yeah, and just the history of that, you know. The guy who makes Hulk, uh, Vince McMahon a millionaire wins the title and in the building that night is one of the two guys that makes Vince McMahon a billionaire. Yeah, and he actually makes TV on this night of all. You know what I mean? Crazy. It's so cool. That wasn't the month. I'm sure that he was there with his dad, plenty of, plenty of them, but he actually makes camera you know, on, on this one, so, on this January 23rd. Two other things I want to do before we go to a break. And kind of wind this episode up. Hulkamania is here. Well, Dave, what does that mean for Hulk Hogan the next month or so? Because it's not what you think, right? <laughs> it is not what you think. I'm going to run down some of the stuff the Hulkster has been up to uh, <laughs> um, after winning the title. And they did it right away like they should have. January 84, Bob Backlund, who lost the title in December, a lot of people think he just disappeared after that. Oh, no, no. He was still main eventing the cards. No Hulk Hogan. He was a main event in all the house shows because Hulk had a commitment with Japan still, New Japan Wrestling. That was part of the deal with Vince that um, I believe Vern Gagne was against Hulk uh, working, doing a lot of Japan stuff. On January 27th, just a couple days after winning the title, Hulk was on a big airplane over to Japan and teaming up with none other than Iron Iron Mike Sharp, Canada's greatest athlete, to take on Antonio Inoki and Tatsumi Fujinami. That went to a double countout in Nagoya, Japan on January 27th. Uh, I'm not going to name go over this whole tour here. I'll name some highlights. Yeah, just give us a highlights. few highlights of what Hulk's doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, he teamed up again. Most of these are teams with Iron Mike Sharp. And February 2nd, he went over... Uh, Akira Maeda and Osama Kido. I'm my dearest apologies to Dave Meltzer if I'm saying these names wrong. I really want to make you happy, Dave, here with these Japanese names. And uh, how about this one? On February 6th in Hachino, I can't remember my overriding, somewhere in Japan, uh, Fujinami, again, teaming up with Akira Maeda over Hulk Hogan and none other than Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, the Hitman. Hitman and the Hulks are together in Japan in 84. And uh, like I said, most of these are with Mike Sharp. um, With Mike Sharp on February 7th at the Tokyo Dome over Ricky Koshu and and, uh, Yoshihika Yatsu. February 9th, Osaka, Japan. Hogan over Rashir Kimura in a non-title match. All these are non-titles. Then it's back in the USA for the Hulks there. February 10th, St. Louis for Wrestling at the Chase taping. As uh, the this, I believe this is Hulk's first match in the WWF as champion over yep. none other than masked superstar. Masked was Bill superstar. Eadie, Bill Eadie. Axe from Demolition. Yep. A great guy, great wrestler, one of, the, one of the all-time greats in my opinion. That's a trivia question and right there. Who is the, the first guy that Hulk wrestled in the WWF as champion? Bill Eadie. He's a masked superstar. Yep. And then on that same taping, there was a big battle royal Big John Studd wins. Hulk and Andre actually came to blows in this battle royal before Studd won it. That could have been leading to something because Andre was already mentioning on TV 
on All-American Wrestling in February that he doesn't want to fight Hulk, he doesn't want the belt. There was a rumor that they were going to do the Andre turn sooner, and there was going to be a match in the summer of 84 at Shea Stadium with Hulk and Andre. I'm happy, very happy they waited. But that's a piece of information. Yeah, it worked there. out. It worked out. They did the right thing by waiting. Probably yeah, was too I mean, soon. Too soon to Bobby go to wasn't that. in the company. The yeah. brain wasn't in the company yet. I guess Blassie would have managed him. Or Albano. Well, Albano managed him as a face, but I can't, definitely can't manage. Well, heal Albano. Uh, then February 11th, uh, Hulkster's, that last information was from a taping. So now we're at a, his actual first house show was champion at the Boston Garden in front of 14,500. And he goes over the Iron Sheik, the man he beat for the belt in a Texas death match. I would love to see that. That's before they started airing on this. Yep, they did do I've some returns. Yep, did do some yeah. returns. Yep. And then uh, Philly, Philadelphia at the Great Spectrum on February 18th in front of 16,000 fans. Another win over a mass superstar by disqualification. Then finally, February 20th. Give me one more. 20th, yeah, one more. Finally, February 20th, Madison Square Garden, 26,000, which includes 4,000 at the Felt Forum Theater. Hulk Hogan goes over Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff by countout. I got a little story about this match. Obviously, I was not watching wrestling when I was three years old this time. But what got me into wrestling, like I said, on uh, other podcasts on here, was the Hogan Orndorff feud in '86. Right. And my dad and my cousin, uh, the late great Donald McMillan, told me, "Hey, Hulk and Mr. Wonderful had this other match at Madison Square Garden a few years ago, and Mr. Wonderful beat the shit out of Hogan." But Hogan snuck away with the title, and I always wanted to see the match. And it wasn't until, I don't know, years later at a convention, maybe when I was a teenager a little more, that I got the house show on the bootleg tape and finally saw it. And that's about it. Very cool. Some so, interesting stuff, my brother. So Hulk wins the title. He goes to Japan, fulfills a commitment there, which means Backlund stays back, and he works as a face in the main events. But he's not there for long. Because the initial plan was to turn Backlund into a bad guy to challenge Hogan. Backlund wanted no part of it. He leaves the company and basically goes to the AWA, other spots like that. But he's out of the WWF until he comes back, like we said, in the 90s for a really great, ironically, heel run. Uh, So eventually he came around to it, but not until years later. And, And it actually had a down point for the company. He probably cost himself a lot of money not wanting to stick around and... Work heel with Hulk. As for Sheik, look at He still thinks that Hulk didn't quite pay him back uh, to the point that he should have, but maybe that's gimmick more than anything. He goes yeah, on. Of, it, he goes on, of course, to work with uh, work with Volkov. They eventually become champions at WrestleMania One. The very first title change ever at a WrestleMania is Sheik and Volkov beating the U.S. Express. And then, of course, he works in the WWF right up until uh, 1987 when he is fired for driving in <laughs> New Jersey uh, with with, uh, with uh, Hacksaw. But, I love what Hacksaw tells the stories. He, t- he tells the stories great. He's yeah. Very, very detailed. If anybody wants to look up, you could probably find it on YouTube. Search Jim Duggan talks about him and Iron Sheik's arrest. He tells it very well. All right, so that's the story for today. All right, here's what we got to do. We got to take a break. Hulkamania is here, as they say. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll do an outro. We'll do some plugs. Uh, we got listener email. We got a couple emails. And then we'll announce what we're going to do on the next show. Uh, and we'll explain why. So, still some more work to do. Also, we have Paula 
and Dave and I will do chic impressions. Whoa. And we need you guys to vote on who does the best impression. Is it Paula? Is it Dave? Or is it probably Steve? So <laughs> let's take a break, and we'll be right back uh, to finish out episode number three. Hulkamania is here. back it is the 24 inch podcast third episode hulkamania is here paula is here dave is here we just got a little bit to do left but first some plugs uh don't forget you can hear this episode and all episodes of the 24 inch podcast on the sportscaster soundcloud page at soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters you can also find us wherever you find podcasts by searching the sportscasters now i noticed on apple if you search 24-inch podcast, the first podcast that comes up is the Sportscasters uh, because the 24-inch podcast episodes are listed there. If you find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash sports-casters, the 24-inch podcast episodes stick out because you get the logo uh, for that specific episode. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're at 24-inch podcast on Twitter. You can email us. 24 inch podcast at gmail.com as well. You can find Dave on Twitter at HD. What is it, Dave? What's your uh, Twitter? Uh, I believe it's HD. I'm not a big Twitter guy. It's HD Rollins. Rollins. Yep. Rollins. (laughs) And then uh, I am at sports underscore casters. And you can find me there as well. We tweet links and things like that to make this all easier. Uh, Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson. Greetings from Allentown. There's a new episode every every Thursday. Uh, And also, Greetings from Allentown Live. They finished all of the uh, best of WWF Coliseum video things. uh, But now they're into the individual tapes. And the most recent one is the Hillbilly Gym tape. I'm looking forward. I'm a little behind because I'm on vacation on my podcast listening. But I'm looking forward to hearing Wrestling's Country Boys with Paula, Petey, and Keith. Real quick, can you tell the listeners what important piece of clothing... Hulk Hogan gave to the Hillbilly Gym uh, to help him with his wrestling Ooh. career. Boots. He gave him his boots. Very good. Yeah, yeah. brother. And Gorilla, Gorilla talked about that almost as much as the Dream Team's Nightmare. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I wanted to give a shout-out to Peter Winston at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. Uh, Place to be Nation. I'll be on the flagship show in March. I have a 92 show with Hogan and Flair on top. But in the meantime. 91. 91, excuse me. In the meantime, you can check out me on their God bless you, honey. Me on their Christmas episode uh, where I play Vince McMahon Sr. Uh, so that is up on the Place to Be Nation is, feed. Is that about the wrestling album? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that too. 
I'm in there. When I get a chance. Okay, cool. I uh, I, I yell at Vince McMahon Jr. or Vincent Cunningham <laughs> McMahon uh, in a really great and probably very realistic impression of Vince McMahon Sr. Now, two things left to do. One, we have to rate the match, the Sheik versus Hogan match, because we didn't do it before. Dave, you want to get started? Yeah, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm going the full five stars on this. There's not one single thing I would change about it. The excitement's there. That's the most important thing in wrestling for me is excitement. And everything, the commentators, everything. Just I, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing that could be changed. It was, it was perfect, and it went into the perfect world title reign. No, for uh, Hulk Hogan. We always do this relative to Hogan matches. We would like to clarify that. Of that, course, that this is a five star match relative to all of Hulk's other work, not relative to, you know, the '89 Steamboat and Flair trilogy or something. Uh, it's just relative yeah. to Hulk, and it is a perfect piece of business. We're doing quarters. I went four point seven five just because it was a little short. You know, maybe, okay. You know, uh, just relative to his other matches, this one only five minutes, a little short, but really. Splitting hairs, four, seven, five, five. It's That's perfect. It. Same shit. Yeah, a perfect piece of business uh, to welcome Hulkamania to the WWF and to the world and to pop culture. Now, Paula, don't go no far. Man. Don't go far because the next thing we want to do is a contest, and we're going to run it on our Twitter, at 24-inch podcast, number two, the number four-inch podcast. We are going to each do a chic impression and we will create a poll, and you will vote on who does the best chic impression, and the winner will get bragging rights on the next show. Paula, do you want to go first, second, or third? Third. You're going to go third? Yeah. All right, that means Dave is up first. Dave, give us your chic impression. Okay, this is when uh, chic got uh, tested positive for a drug test. Oh, good and one. Finds out good it, one. And he finds out about it. Yeah. Oh, positive, brother. Uh, Bubba, I'm so positive. That's a great. That's a good sign. I'm positive. Yes, yes. And then I believe it was Marty Jannetty, uh, Sheik. Uh, positive is bad for a drug test. <laughs> well, 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 what do you mean a bad? What about the JBD? What about down to Morocco and Jacob the State? Because they were all with me. Did they test the positive too? Yes. That's all I got. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> now they did. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll go second since Paula's nervous. She's over there. All right, yeah. I am uh, going to do the Iron Sheik uh, on the set of the Cindy Lauper video for the Goonies. Good song too. Oh, Sheiky baby, he is here to do the mu- music video. Oh, oh, Cindy Lauper, poo! You are no good. You. You no good at all. Shiki, he is number one. Number one, Shiki, not the Cindy Lauper. Poo! All right, now you're up. Let's hear it. This is the one when he was in the Working Math Bosses, Hogan. Okay, let's, let's hear it. Hulk Hogan. Come on, don't be nervous. Let's hear that. Come on, Paula. <laughs> Get that Hulkamania running through your veins. <laughs> Give us your best chic impression. Ready? Go. All right. How about this? We're, <laughs> we're going to pause the tape. Okay. So just do a practice one. Okay. Go ahead. Just practice it. Okay. I'm going to do it without my headphones on. Okay. Practice it without your headphones. Go ahead. Step right up and read it right into that microphone. Your chic impression. Go ahead, it's your practice. No need to be nervous. We're not even recording right now. I'm the 
his hand to Okay. <laughs> All right, we're waiting. It's only practice. What are you nervous about? I forgot. Cheeky baby, number one. That's your impression? I tried. That's the best you can do? Okay, I tried. That's going to lose. That's last place. Okay. Come on, you can do better than that. That was just practice. Now the real thing. Ready? Okay. Okay, do it. Just do it. Come on, Dave. Give her some support here. Come on, Paula. You can do it, honey. Pretend Nikolai's singing next to you. He's singing the national anthem. Thank you. I don't want to see. I don't want Hacksaw to come out. Okay, you don't want Hacksaw to come out with a stick? Do a Hacksaw impersonation instead. No. All right, come on. You don't like Hacksaw. Let's go. you, baby. Number one. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All right, there it is. All right, there All we right, go. good there job, we go. Paula. Very good, good. You win. All right, Dave, what's the first email up? Vote on uh, that. First... Hold on. At 24inch podcast on Twitter, we'll put a poll up. Vote for who had the best one. I think we have a winner. How would they have the good one? No, Daddy won. I love no, that you just called me Holiday. Yeah, I have a friend that, that I have <laughs> a friend, Anthony Galladay. Go on a kiss and just do what we that. need to do. What's that, Nat? You guys are talking over each other. Have a hippopotamus and do what we need to do. Okay. Hippopotamus. <laughs> Dave, what were you saying? No, she called me Holiday instead of Hollywood. I thought that was so cute. I have a friend that that that, that makes that same mistake. All right, Hol- that was that was pretty cool. Holiday Dave Rollins, do you have an email for us? <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, what was the next the next thing? Email. I'm sorry, I, was- I need an email. Uh, an email. email. Okay, I have an email from Kevin from Nutley. Wanted to know why there was no Iron Sheik Hulk Hogan rematch. Well, Kevin, technically there was on a number of house shows, but if you go back and watch it, you know, in a vacuum, you're you're just watching special events on the network, you're not going to see one. But they did have a pretty prominent one in December of 84 at Madison Square Garden. So I would call that more the more or less the official rematch. About a year later, Hulk went over him uh, pretty quick. It was the night uh, Captain Lou turned good with the, the Clark in the ring and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, yeah, so they never you – know, there was no pay-per-views and big events back then. It was all house shows. So they did have a lot of rematches. Okay, I got one from our Colorado uh, contingency again. I explained last time that the Sportscasters is biggest in Buffalo, New Orleans, and Colorado and the Denver area probably because of a hockey podcast I did with a guy named Adrian Dater who covers the Colorado Avalanche. Shout out to at Dater on Twitter. Uh, but this is uh, Jerry out in Aurora, Illinois, which I think is infamous for... Wayne's World, Wayne's World. Yeah, well, that's Illinois, though, right? Yeah. So this is Aurora, Colorado. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So, like I said, which I think is infamous. Uh, wasn't that where the um, the Batman um, shooting? You know uh, what I'm, I'm saying? Um, oh. Yeah, whatever. Who wants to bring things down with that anyway? Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that's right. It, it was Aurora yeah. in Colorado. Anyway. Oh, the, oh, the movie theater. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yes, okay. Now, like, I didn't know what you were talking about. All right. Anyway, yeah, I believe it was. Our listener here in Aurora, Colorado, wants to know, besides his movies, what is your guy's favorite Hulk Hogan appearance 
in pop culture. Videos, TV shows. Yeah, he's just wanting us to leave out his movies. Besides that, where did Hulk Hogan show up that's your favorite? I got kind of two in mind, but I'll let you go. You want me to go while you think? Because I I saw this. Yeah, I got to think about this. All right, so my two that came to mind was, first of all, uh, him being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, as a sports guy and a Hulkster fan and a wrestling fan, you know, it's pretty awesome that he got to be on the cover of that historic magazine at really the peak of its powers, you know, in the mid-80s, uh, where magazines were such a huge deal and the circulation was huge. And I think it just really legitimized Hulk and, and what wrestling did. And then, of course, we mentioned it before, but I'm a huge A-Team fan. And, of course, Hulk was on two different episodes of the A-Team, one called Body Slam, uh, which there was also a bunch of other wrestlers on as well. Um, the Bulldogs and Steamboat and McGraw and Kirshner, uh, Greg Valentine, um, Gene Okerlund's on it, Big John Studd. So a lot of wrestlers on that. And then he does one called The Trouble with Harry. Uh, he's on as well. So I would say Sports Illustrated and the A-Team would come to mind as the top pop culture, non-movie, non-Hulk movie appearances that come to mind for me, Jerry. Um, yeah, for me, uh, giving it this much thought for about two minutes here, uh, I could be forgetting something, but I, something, but I love the chemistry Hulk Hogan always had with Regis Philbin. Mm. When anytime he was on that show, you could tell Regis was really, really a fan of his and he got pumped up and they would always do a little spot where Regis kicks him in the nuts or something and Regis, Hulkamania lives and Hulk would have something to say and he was on it so many times. Uh, yeah, I love that that uh, Regis. I always loved Hulk on talk shows. I liked him on Leno when yeah. he was promoting the Bash of the Beach match with Ric Flair for WCW. I think he's a great guest on the talk show. He's well, perfect for, and for I that was, kind of thing. I was thinking kind of our era, so I didn't think of it. But you know, I'm a huge Stern guy. We played the clip at the beginning. Uh, That's but right. He's awesome on Stern too. You know. Yeah. So if I'm, yeah it's a little. Yeah, if I'm expanding outside of our era, Stern absolute him on Stern would absolutely be at the very top of the list too. Okay, brother. All right, I like it. Uh, thanks for that. So next show, the next podcast, the next we're gonna take a trip down to yeah Saturday Cobb County, Georgia. Yeah, Saturday night's main event. Our first time looking at Saturday night's main event, and a good friend of the podcast, uh, Calvin Crowell, a very good friend of mine, and uh, hey Calvin, yeah, a New Jersey guy as well. Uh, hasn't had the best 2020 ever. The bureaucracies have uh, shit all over him. The justice system isn't doing what it's supposed to do for a hardworking, blue-collar American like Calvin. Uh, he's got some hard justice. You know, the boss man, so to speak, has handcuffed Calvin to the ropes and bashed him uh, with the uh, with the nightstick. So to give Kev- Calvin a little bit of relief, a little bit of fun, uh, we're going to take his request and we're going to do the Hogan Bossman feud, and we're going to focus on uh, Saturday night's main event uh, for that one. For the first time? Yeah. First Saturday night's main event. Now, those are big shows, uh, so we're going to do that big. Anytime we do a Saturday night's main event, it'll be big. I don't know how much bigger it'll be than this one, because this one felt pretty big as well. Paula. They're all big. Do you have anything you'd like to say to the listeners of the 24-inch podcast? How about you wish them a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, too? Go ahead, Paula. Tell the people. I wish you had a very good Christmas. And what else? A happy what? And a happy new year. A happy new year. We have the countdown, right? The ball drops. And then what do you do when it when it drops? It counts. Yeah, it goes five, four, three, two, one. Then what? Then we 
Yep. And yeah. That, and then what do you do? Yeah, you celebrate it. exactly. So, or I like to say, you go wild. Yep. A Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Thanks to everyone for listening to the Twenty Four Inch Podcast. We're just getting started, as Dave likes to say. Uh, we're three episodes into this thing, and really, we thought, looking at this when we started this project, we said, let's do a pilot in twenty twenty, and then when twenty twenty one comes around, we'll get moving. We'll get every other week, but we got so into this thing uh, that as soon as the pilot went up, we put the second episode up. And we're into our bi-weekly schedule uh, here for episode three. And we'll be back in two weeks' time. I used to always like uh, at the end of Saturday Night's Main Event when Vince would be like, we'll be back in three months' time as we will be here for Labor Day weekend with the season premiere of Saturday Night's Main Event. Uh, So we'll be back here two weeks' time. It will be January. uh, January. 11th. 11th. Uh, we will be back, and then we will have an episode on January 25th as well, yet to be determined. For Mrs. Wonderful, Paula Bennett. For Holiday, Dave Rollins. <laughs> and for me, I am Steve Bennett. This has been the 24-Inch Podcast, and as we always say, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-Inch Podcast. Brother! Brother!